Hi there, and welcome to OPG Inspire. This is your host, Robert Roach. Everyone at OPG would like to wish our listeners a hearty, happy new year. Let's make 2018 the year of strong leadership, of abundance, and of changing the world one person at a time. Thank you for listening to the OPG Inspire podcast. If you've been enjoying our episodes, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or to share us with a friend who may share your appreciation for this kind of podcast. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Wynn Smith, chairman and CEO of Summit Ventures, which owns Sugarbush Resort in Vermont. He also serves as president of Sugarbush and oversees daily operations year-round. Wynn's story is one of determination, savvy business practice, abundant leadership, and personal success. After leaving a 28-year career and a vice presidential position with Merrill Lynch, Wynn took his expertise and his ideas about leadership to a sleepy ski resort in Vermont, dynamically transforming it into one of the destination resorts in the United States. I had a lot of fun in my conversation with Wynn, hearing about his experiences and exploring his excellent principles around leadership. I think you will too. With that, my interview with Wynn Smith. So uh, let's get started. Why don't we start out just so I can ask you a little bit about yourself. What are you working on right now and, uh, and who you are? All right. Well, uh, my name is Wynn Smith, and I'm actually now the CEO of Summit Ventures, that is the owner of Sugarbush Resort up here in Vermont. So this is something I've been doing for 17 years. Uh, we purchased the resort at the end of 2001 from American Ski Corporation, and it's been under our ownership ever since. But before that, I spent 28 years at Merrill Lynch. That was my first career. This is my second career. And at Merrill Lynch, I started out as an investment banker and then really had a wonderful opportunity to work in many different areas of the firm in the staff areas like finance, human resources, on the private wealth side, on the capital markets, investment banking side. And for the last 10 years before I left, I was chairman of Merrill Lynch International. So I oversaw our non-US businesses. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that transition from a 28 career, 28 year career at Merrill Lynch to the president of the Sugarbush Ski Resort. You know, what what Merrill Lynch motivated or shaped your business plan and how you made sure. culture at Sugarbush? Well, you know, I'd say it was a little bit serendipitous. My goal initially had been to stay at Merrill Lynch until I retired at age 65. And I was an executive vice president. And there were four of us. But when a new fellow was appointed by the name of Stan O'Neill, I really felt I couldn't work for him. We saw the world differently. He didn't value the same things I valued about Merrill Lynch. And so I decided to, you know, essentially retire early. And at the time, I decided I was going to go into private equity investing. Uh, my first investment was Sugarbush. And I was doing a number of other equity investments. And after a couple of years, I said, you know, I, I actually am not comfortable being a passive investor. I want to be an active investor. So I consolidated all my investments into Sugarbush, came up here and really took over the management as well as the ownership. That the term kind of passive versus active, I think is really key right here because it seems like you are a really active leader at Sugarbush. Uh, one thing that I've heard multiple times is that you're incredibly visible mm-hmm. um, and you're visible to, to both to patrons and also to employees. So tell me about what you do and, and how you achieve that. Yeah, well, I'd say uh, coming back to sort of what you were starting to ask me earlier is, you know, kind of the transition from Merrill Lynch to this business. You know, I was really lucky at Merrill Lynch to to work for a number of really good leaders. 
And while they were all different in many ways and had different personalities, different physiques, you know, one of the things I learned from there is they were active walk-around leaders and managers. And, you know, I always felt that that was critical at Merrill Lynch. You know, if you're in a client business, you better interact with your clients and not just hear things secondhand. And if you're in a business like Merrill Lynch was a service business, your employees are your assets. Mm -hmm. And that's very similar to what we have here at Sugarbush. So first of all, it helps that I love skiing. So I'm out with guests. I'm also doing something I'm really enjoying. But you know, if you're riding on a lift, you're in a corral line, you listen, you hear, you observe. And with your employees, again, you know, we have lots of assets, but our most important assets are our people and making sure that I know them, I see them, I respond to them. I have an opportunity to compliment them. I also have an opportunity to see where things can be improved. I think it's really key to running a, a place like this well. Wow. So... I mean, one one thing that you said once was that there's a lot of forces out of your control when you're running a ski resort. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, you got, you got weather, you got snow, but the things that you can control, I it seems, are the key elements of why Sugarbush has become so successful. Things like customer service and company culture. So when you started there, did you have a vision for what kind of culture you wanted to create? Yeah, I did. And it really goes back to what I learned at Merrill Lynch. At Merrill Lynch, we had five basic core values. And the first one is the customer's interest has to come first. You know, and these are not in order because they're all five equally important. But the second was that you really had to have respect for your, your people and your employees and your teammates. Mm-hmm. The third was you had to operate as a team. The fourth is you had to really be responsible to the community in which you operate. And the fifth is you have to operate with total integrity. And so when I left Merrill Lynch, I actually saw the new leadership sort of abandoning those so I figured, why recreate? Why not just bring them to Sugarbush? And so those are our core values here. You know, we incorporated two other ones. We incorporated safety because that's so key to our guests and to our employees. Right. And I incorporated fiscal responsibility, which I'm going to change and make it more sustainability uh, because I found that the place really was not being run well financially. And I needed to embed the culture that for us to be successful, we had to be financially sustainable. So when I came in, I really came in with a vision of running a business, much like I had learned in my 28 years of Merrill Lynch. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those uh, items that you mentioned was responsibility to community. And so tell me about what community means when you build a business that is so ingrained into the community that surrounds it. You know, it seems that Sugarbush is is in some ways built around having that incredible ski resort there. So tell me about how you use the elements of community. Well, I think there, there are two thoughts about community. And first, let me start with sort of the community in the Mad River Valley. Um, unlike Merrill Lynch, you know, we are kind of the big gorilla in the community. We're the biggest employer. We're the biggest property taxpayer. So we're incredibly important to the financial well-being of the valley. And I think that's a responsibility we take very seriously. So not only do we hire a lot of people from the community, not only do we support the community in terms of our property taxes, but there are a number of initiatives that we know are important to get behind. So some of our environmental issues like supporting, you know, the Mad River, Friends of the Mad River Valley. Some of them are supporting the local schools. So we offer each school the ability to ski here once a week free. Wow. We offer uh, support to the arts and to events in the valley because we know that that is really Helpful, And, you know, sometimes when tragedy strikes, as it did with Hurricane Irene, you know, we understood that we had to make an extra special effort 
So, you know, we contributed $100,000 from my private foundation. And then we really did a fundraising effort that raised, you know, three to $400,000 from members of the Sugarbush community. And so that gets me to the Sugarbush community. I think one of the things that people like about Sugarbush is not just the skiing here or the golfing or the recreational, but it's rather the community feeling. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about what's our mission, what's our why for existing, we boiled it down to a simple system, uh, sentence that basically says that, you know, our mission is to cultivate a spirit of lifelong adventure and camaraderie. And that focus on camaraderie really is about creating an environment where people feel this is a community where they can really share camaraderie with friends and family. Wow. So, I mean, you kind of already answered one of my questions. I was going to come in here. Why does Sugarbush have some of the most loyal seasonal past members of any ski resort? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, we're not alone. I think there are other mountains that have the same thing. And I think we have a lot of loyalty because this is a place of being. This is a place where people want to say it's their home mountain. They come here frequently. And what I think gives me the greatest pleasure from my own point of view and also seeing others is really seeing multiple generations coming. So seeing grandparents today that started as kids that raised their children here and now their grandchildren and seeing them all you know, coming together as a group. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of après where people really have a good time you know, being together in an après scene. They, they, they like going to events together. And it's just a feeling, it's a sense that I think creates a lot of loyalty. Interesting. So you're getting to kind of witness not only, you know, the growth of your own company, but the sort of proliferation and the legacy of these new generations coming in who might come in their entire lives as well. Absolutely. That's great. And, you know, Sugarbush really started as a family-owned company back in 1956. So a family called the Gads began Sugarbush. And then five years later, um, Glen Allen, which is now Mount Allen and part of Sugarbush, was begun by another family, the, the Elliots, down the road. Uh, Mad River Glen was started by another family, and so the, the Palmados. And I think that sense, you know, the way most ski resorts were built were really powerful. Now that you're seeing consolidation, you're seeing more corporatization, you're, you're seeing standardization, I think one of the things that we can still offer is that we're family owned and operated. So we can create a different feel. We can be more flexible. We can be more unique. We can be a little bit more uh, differential. We can be quicker to action. And I think that's going to allow us to compete against really good, strong, better capitalized organizations like Vail and the others that are being formed. Mm-hmm. So my question now comes to the future because, you know, there will be a day at some point when Win Smith isn't going to be riding the slopes and talking to everybody and, uh, you know, be, being that catalyst as a leader. So how do you build a lasting legacy around these values and around this, this concept that you've created? You know, that, that is a great question because in my first career, uh, uh, Merrill Lynch had built a great legacy through many leaderships. You know, it started with the, the founder in 1914, Charlie Merrill. You know, my dad was his successor, but they'd worked together for, you know, nearly 40 years. So there was sort of a seamless transition when Merrill passed, my father took over. Same thing happened when Mike McCarthy succeeded him and it happened continuously for about eight or nine different CEOs. And then abruptly it changed. Somebody came in that changed the culture, changed the direction, changed the values of Merrill Lynch. And Merrill Lynch essentially failed and had to be rescued and taken over by Bank of America. So 
what you've asked, I think, is the most challenging and the most important part of leadership is how do you cultivate that succession? And hopefully what you're doing is you're creating a management team around you that buys into what you're doing. You know, they're not, they're not Stepford wives. You know, they're not automatons. They're people that may have a different way of doing certain things, but they share that common vision. They share that, that passion for the culture and for the values so that when you step away, you know, there's going to be continuity. They may be different in their personality, but there's continuity in the values and the direction. Uh, the other thing, too, is, you know, organizations have to change. They have to evolve. So having change is also not bad. In fact, very often, if you don't change, it is bad. You want new ideas, new reflections, but you want that foundation that's built upon those core principles. So the answer to your question is, if I've done my job right, I've created a management team behind me so that when I choose to move on, that that team is going to fill in and be even better than I was. Mm. So is there sort of a responsibility for you to also be able to let it go in, in, a, in a real way once you do step down? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, that, you know, when you're a small business owner and a, an entrepreneur and the founder of a business in particular, that's one of the biggest challenges that people face. You know, there's something called buyer's remorse. There's something called, you know, CEO remorse. And I think I've seen a lot of CEOs that they step down, they don't know what to do next. So I've always felt that, you know, there are evolutions in life. So I don't ever intend to retire, but I may leave Sugarbush and go on to something else. And at some point in time, that's going to be healthy to do. So I guess this leads me to one of my last questions, which would be, you know, a point of advice for our listeners. We have a lot of people who are starting their own businesses or thinking about doing a big life change. Um, and, uh, you know, you stepped away from Merrill Lynch and went into an industry that you had never worked in, into a company that was not doing great, but you had a vision for it. So what's your piece of advice? Where do you, what's the first thing that you do mentally to prepare yourself for that kind of transition? Well, I think the first thing you always have to do is get up in the morning, have a passion about what you're going to do. If you don't have a passion about what you're going to do, you're going to fail. You know, you, you can fake it for a while, but you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be successful. So you really have to have, I think, the self-confidence to pursue your passion and not listen to others or not do what you think people say you should be doing. So when I left Merrill Lynch, you know, that was that was a tough decision. It was it was quick. It was impulsive. You know, I felt it was the right decision, but it's not something I had planned to do for years. It happened because I had a conversation with the CEO I didn't like and I resigned. But I knew that I was going to find something I could enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that next day it was going to be sugar bush. Right. But you know, I basically said, I'm going to follow a couple of principles. What I'm going to do is I want to do something that's going to be meaningful, something that's going to be intellectually challenging, something that's going to make a difference. And I want to work with people that I really respect and like working with. And so that's how I evolved into not only sugar bush, but on the boards I serve, following those basic tenets. Now, I'll also say very honestly that I had made good money. I was financially well off. So I had the ability to do more than what maybe many people can do at their age in life. But I still believe that everybody should absolutely be doing what they're passionate about. And if they're not passionate about it, start to look and find a passion. Well, Wynn, thank you so much for your time today. This has been an, a wonderful conversation. 
you're very welcome. All right. Well, good luck with the slopes this year. And uh, maybe I'll see you out there on the slopes in Sugarbush one day. <laughs> Thanks, Snow. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. That was my interview with Wynn Smith, president of the Sugarbush Ski Resort. To learn more about Sugarbush, head over to sugarbush.com, and maybe you might see Wynn on the slopes up there. During my interview with Wynn, I was struck by Wynn's dedication to being a hands-on leader, while simultaneously empowering and entrusting his team to create and improve the vision that is Sugarbush Resort, especially after he's moved on. Wynn has shown us that you can successfully run a major company with hundreds of employees, and you can be accessible to each one of those individuals. He's also shown us that every position is a stepping stone in your life, no matter your age, no matter the status of your current position. One of my favorite quotations from an OPG partner, Tony Panos, is as follows. Success is an aesthetic which dulls the drive for change. So don't let success be a destination. Let it be the road you travel on. Continue to change, improve, empower, and entrust your dreams in others. With that, thank you for listening to the OPG Inspire podcast. This is Robert Roach signing off.